Good morning and welcome to Alger Assembly of God. Once again, we're continuing in our What If series. It's the What If series. We're not looking back at the past. We're not uh, just wondering and reflecting and what if we'd have done something different? Uh, we've all probably got some of those thoughts. What if I'd have said something else? What if I'd have done something else? What if I wouldn't have done what I did? Maybe, maybe some of those are the good ones. What if I wouldn't have, as opposed to what if I would have? We're not looking at the past so much as the future. What would we be able to do? What would we be able to become with God's help, following God's principles in our lives? So we've looked at a number of scriptures. We have a, a handful more as we continue in our series very simple words that have that monumental, humongous two-letter word, if, in them. So this morning we're looking at Daniel chapter 3, verse 17. Here's the beginning of the verse that has the if. Daniel 3, 17. If we are thrown into the blazing furnace. If. Now, if you're turning to Daniel chapter 3 and you're hearing the word if followed by blazing furnace, things are probably registering in many hearts, many lives, many minds. In fact, some of you, if you've been in the church for many, many years, you're thinking back to flannel graph days. You were a child and you had flannel graph, or maybe you were a teacher who used flannel graph, but this, this is one of those key Bible stories, Daniel chapter 3, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, the fiery furnace, King Nebuchadnezzar. I mean, you, can't you just see the little characters on the fuzzy little board stick? I mean, it was magic, right? And, and you took them off and you put them in another place and they stuck there too. Incredible. Little, little flannel graph technology from decades and decades ago still around today. But it's one of those powerful Bible stories of truth. But we see Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego confronted with difficulty, confronted with decision, confronted with some of the challenges of life. Now, just scan the church, scan the congregation, and understand that probably nobody in this place has ever experienced trial, hardship, or difficult time, right? Just, just look around and just know that everything has been smooth sailing. After you're done chuckling at the absurdity of that comment, you realize the exact opposite is true, right? Haven't we experienced some hardships in life? Trials, difficulties, challenges. Maybe you have. Maybe you're currently in one. The question is, what if we face difficulty? What if we face hardships? What happens then? How do we respond? How do we live? How do we act? Well, Jesus in the New Testament, he said that the Heavenly Father sent rain on the just and the unjust. Well, we, we like part of that verse. Don't, don't you like part of that verse? You know, the part where it says that rain gets sent to the unjust. That, that's a place where many people would say, Amen! Just, just practice with me on the count of three. One, two, three. 
That was wimpy, but that was okay. That's one of the places in the Scripture where you read that and you say, yes, God, get them. Let some of those tough times come to those unjust, away from you, don't have a relationship, don't care about you, don't know anything about you, and, and, and just hardened hearts. God, just let, let, let them have all the tough times, so get them out of the way so that, that me, God, help me to have easy times, easy street. So we like part of that verse, but he says it rains on the just and unjust. It's, in other words, everybody experiences these difficulties, trials, hardships, and struggles. Jesus is very specific. John chapter 16, he said, in this world, it's sort of maybe kind of possible you'll experience hardships. I don't think that's exactly how he worded it. He said, in this world, you will have trials. And we read that and we say, Lord Jesus, that is not one of those promises I claim. You know, we say standing on the promises. I want to stand on the Word of God and stand on His promises. I think I'll just step aside on that one. I don't want, I don't want to stand on that. Jesus said, in this world you will have trials. You will have hardships. You will face difficulties. There will be trying times. In other words, he's saying none of us are immune. None of us can can bypass the fact we're going to have tough times. Daniel chapter 3, that that very famous Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego, fiery furnace story. It's a story of truth that, that gives us some insights. How do you respond when you're faced with the hardships, trials, and difficulties of life? Now, there, there's a, a big chapter. Let's try to sum up kind of where we are in Daniel and where we are in Daniel chapter 3. This story is taking place in the province of Babylon. It's a dominant world power at that particular point in time. The people of Israel, the Israelites, they were overtaken. They were conquered, taken in captivity, and Jerusalem had been destroyed. Many of these Jewish boys, some of the strongest and and brightest and best, were taken from their homeland brought to Babylon to serve in the kingdom there. So here we read in in Daniel, we read about Daniel, but we read about Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Daniel serving in the king's court. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego had, had business affairs. They were overseeing some of the affairs of the kingdom. And at this particular point in time, King Nebuchadnezzar was in charge. Okay, on the count of three, let's say Nebuchadnezzar, okay? Let's just try. Ready? One, two, three. Nebuchadnezzar. Nebuchadnezzar. Yes, King Neb. It's one of those mouthfuls, right? With a bunch of syllables and a bunch of Zs and, and we're King Neb. King Nebuchadnezzar was king. He was ruling Babylon. He was ruling um, at this particular point in time. And he has a great idea. 
I'm going to make this golden image, 90 foot tall, 9 foot wide. It's going to be a golden image, and I'm going to have everybody bow down. We're going to have some, we're going to have a band play. Man, they've got all kinds of instruments, and when everybody hears the music, that's the symbol to bow down to this golden image. So he gets the image built. He brings all his leaders, brings all his officials together, tells them what they're going to do, how they're going to do it. And, and just to give a little extra incentive, how many of you have gotten an incentive from you know, a boss, a teacher, a family member? Like, you know, in case you were hesitating, let me tell you what's in store for you if you do. Let's, let me tell you what's in store for you if you don't, right? If you do this, you get a candy bar, maybe they say. Oh, yeah, I want to do that, Mommy. I want to do that, Daddy. Or if you don't do this, you get a spanking. Or at the job, you get fired, right? So there's some of these very specific things where he says, I want everybody to bow down. I want everybody to worship. And just so you're clear about how serious I am, if you don't, if you don't bow and worship this 90-foot golden statue, no biggie. We'll just throw you in the fiery furnace. You know, the one that we would use to, to kind of smelt uh, metal and, and gold, you know, probably hundreds and hundreds, maybe even a 1,000 degrees or more. That one, yeah, we'll just toss you in that. Are we good? Are we good? Are we clear? Okay, let's get ready. So that was his massive plan. Fear must have gripped everybody's heart, right? I mean, it's pretty simple. Bow or die. I mean, I don't know about you. I've never been in a 1,000 degree or more furnace. For some of you, right about now, I think it, uh, it's set on like 68 degrees. Some of you are sweating at 68 degrees. So you would not want to be into the hundreds or thousand degrees and more, right? So for many, you would think it's, it's a pretty simple, doable thing. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they know they're not to bow down. They're not to worship any god but the one true God. They've got this, ultimately, life or death situation. You ever been there? Uh, not necessarily facing a thousand-degree furnace. Have you ever been in what seemed like life or death choice, life or death situation? Maybe you've been in a situation, it seemed like there was just no way out. It was so difficult, so hard, such a trial and such a struggle. That's where we find Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. What do you do if, and this is a pretty definite if, if you face trials, hardships, difficulties in life? We're going to walk through the remaining portions of, of a lot of their decisions and find a number of principles for you and I this morning. Principle number one, what if we face hardships? What if we face difficulties? We must develop godly convictions. Develop godly convictions. Verse 8 and following, it says this, At this time, astrologers came forward and denounced the Jews, meaning Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. They said to King Nebuchadnezzar, May the king live forever. Your majesty issued a decree that everyone who hears the sound of the horn, flute, zither, lyre, harp, pipe, and all kinds of music must fall down and worship the image of gold. 
And that whoever does not fall down in worship will be thrown into a blazing furnace. But there are some Jews whom you have set over the affairs of the province of Babylon, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, who pay no attention to you, your majesty. They neither serve your gods nor worship the image of gold you have set up. In other words, what they're saying is, boy, these three individuals, this Shadrach and this Meshach and this Abednego, man, they have got some convictions, I tell you. They're not bowing down. See, when confronted with a challenge, Shadrach and Meshach and Abednego, they really didn't need to think about it. They didn't need to stop and even Pray about it. I wonder, God, should we bow down to some golden false image? They didn't need to consult other individuals. They didn't need to set up a, a, a Facebook a voting, you know, and, and let, me, let me see what a hundred of my friends and family members say. They were confronted with a choice, and they stood firm on solid, godly convictions. And here's the thing, though. Those convictions were developed well in advance. They didn't wait until the time came when this image was constructed, and then and only then they wonder, now what? No doubt it, it took a little time for this to be prepared. It took a little time for this to be built. They, they'd heard everything that King Nebuchadnezzar had said. They were a part of this process, and yet they knew this was not a, a process to be a part of. They had godly convictions. You and I, we've got to have a determination in our hearts and in our lives in advance. We don't develop godly convictions overnight, right? We can begin some of that process. We can begin you know, to, to look at the Word of God and read the Word of God and obey and apply the Word of God, but those convictions from God and from His Word, they take time to form. So here's the, that first thought is, let's not wait until hardship comes to develop godly discipline, to develop godly convictions, to live according to the Word of God. They had already built and developed these godly convictions. They knew what they believed. And more importantly, they believed what they knew. Remember earlier in, in the book of Daniel, they were confronted, all of them were confronted with trying to follow this king's diet, foods and drinks that were not according as well to what God would desire. And they... They said no to all the good stuff of the king. And they said yes to what every single one in here would just love to have more of. Water and veggies. How many of you, that, that just describes your lunch right now? That's what you've got going home. Nothing but water, nothing but veggies. Probably not too many. Might be a handful of you. So they already had some of these decisions where they said, okay, this is what you're saying, king, these, these food items and, and guidelines, this is not in association with our God. We're going to say no to that. Could have said yes, could have, you know, 
Could have just tried to fit in. They had convictions well before they get to this point in time. We've got to be found faithful even before the crisis, the challenge, the hardship. It's going to reveal what's already in our hearts and in our lives. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they could have given in to peer pressure, right? Wouldn't that have been the easiest thing to look around? The music plays, everybody starts to bow, and their thought is very simple. Three words that describe our approach many times to things. Three words that describes what you've heard from children and grandchildren to things. Everybody's doing it. I mean, mom and dad, come on. Everybody's doing it. It doesn't matter whether this is against the conviction, that this is against the principles found in the Word of God. I mean, everybody does these things. Everybody's doing it. How, how easy it would have been just to say, well, I mean, certainly wouldn't want to stand out amongst all these people. Just bow because everybody's doing it. They could have looked and here's the other thing that sometimes we would do. Well, I'll do it now, but later I'll come to God and ask for forgiveness. Oh, you've done it too? I mean, wouldn't, wouldn't that be easier approach? Okay, let's see. Um, well, if we bow now, we won't get in trouble. Um, but even though, let's see, even though this part of the Bible hasn't been written yet, I think there's going to be a verse that says, if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to, to forgive us of our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. I just, I just hope, I just trust that a verse like that's going to be written in the New Testament. So I'll say yes, we'll bow down, we won't get in trouble, and then we'll get by ourselves and we'll ask God to forgive us. Ah, boy, problem solved. How easy is that? Godly convictions, they said no. They wouldn't give in to peer pressure. They wouldn't just do it and then ask for forgiveness later. They also didn't rationalize things. I mean, this would be pretty easy to rationalize, right? If you do it, you live. If you don't do it, you die. Okay, quick show of hands, and I need full participation. Between living and dying, how many of you in here today prefer living? Hands up. Very good, most of you. Okay. We, we prefer that. We prefer to take care of self. It would have been very easy to say, okay, I mean, this is it. If we don't do it, we die. And they, they could have also maybe gotten a little spiritual and said, here we are. Servants of the Most High in a foreign land? I mean, if we die, who's going to have the opportunity to impact this culture for God? We need to be around doing that. So let's give in, you know, we'll not honor God now so that hopefully later we can honor God and, you know, tell about the good things about God. They didn't do that either. All these things they could have done, and yet their convictions were firm, their convictions were strong. They said, no, we're not going to bow. 
So first of all, when we are faced with difficult hardships and struggles and difficulties, let's make sure that there is a foundation of godly convictions based not upon our own words and preferences, but based upon the Word of God. That that's built up, developed in us, and that we would then live and act upon that. So number two, not just to develop Godly disciplines, but worship God exclusively. Now, verse 13 says, Furious with rage, Nebuchadnezzar summoned them, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. They were brought before the king, and the king said to them, Is it true that you do not serve my gods or worship the image of gold I have set up? Verse 15. Now when you hear the sound of the horn, flute, zither, lyre, harp, pipe, and all kinds of music, if you are ready to fall down and worship the image I made, very good. But if you do not worship it, you will be thrown immediately into a blazing furnace. Then what God will be able to rescue you from my hand? He's basically giving them a second chance. Don't you like second chances? I mean, surely this is God. God's giving us a second chance. We didn't die. You know, we we stood strong. We stood up for God. Everybody knew that we didn't bow down and worship the idol. So we stood up for God. So now let's just go ahead and we'll bow down and everything's good. We've been given a second chance. Again. Based on the convictions, they said no. They were here to worship God and God alone. One of the verses earlier that we looked at, some of the criticism of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they said, they pay no attention to you. They don't serve you or follow you or worship you or the image of gold. For some reason, this other God is their central focus of worship. This word worship is used in here about 10 times in these opening 15, 16, 17, 18 verses. We all worship something, someone, something. It can be easy to to read a, a biblical account like this and chuckle and say, ah, I would never bow down and worship a 90 foot tall statue of gold. But no doubt there are other things, other individuals, other items of interest in our hearts and in our lives that know maybe we don't bow down and worship, but we worship nonetheless. It takes first priority in our hearts and in our lives in place of God. And what we see this principle from Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they are worshiping God and God alone, God exclusively. Is there someone or something that we have put in place of or in opposition to God? We've got to be cautious. We've got to be careful where and who and how we worship. How can we expect or invite God's presence and power in our hearts and in our lives when we're actively worshiping, focused on someone or something else. That someone or that something else might be different in each and every one. The principle is 
There's a lot of great things. Slide them aside and make sure that God is placed at the forefront. God is number one in our lives. God doesn't want to be added to our life. He wants to be our life. How many of you like combos? Anybody like combo platters? If you go out to eat, some of you, maybe uh, if you, you don't mind or you kind of enjoy uh, maybe that buffet, whether it's a pizza buffet or, or some uh, other kind of buffet, where you get a little bit of everything. How many of you like a little bit of everything? I'm, I'm kind of one of those. You know, if I would go to a Chinese buffet, if I would go to Old Barn Outback, any place if there's a bunch of items, I'm the kind of one, I want to try a little scoop of pretty much everything. So if we would go, it's been a long time, if we would go to a Chinese buffet, I love Chinese, Kimmy not so much. Kimmy's Chinese plate would look like this. White rice, the little chicken nuggets from sweet and sour chicken, but no sweet and sour sauce. White rice, chicken nuggets, and hopefully a slice of pizza. And if she's lucky, french fries. Okay, my plate, on the other hand, is this. I take the plate, I take a scoop of white rice, I take a scoop of fried rice, mix it all up on, on the plate. I, that's my foundation. I got to build me a good Chinese food plate, right? So I got my foundation, white rice, fried rice, all mixed up. And then I just go down and I take a scoop or a half a scoop of everything on the buffet. Szechuan chicken? Yes, please. Sweet and sour chicken? Absolutely. Broccoli and beef? You got it. General Sow's chicken? One of my favorite. Peanut butter chicken? Absolutely. Orange chicken? That too. I mean, you name it. Scoop or a half a scoop, I try everything I can. Pile it on there. Because I kind of like the and, 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 and. Let's just add it all in. God doesn't just want to be added in as one of the options in our lives. I'm going to follow this, and I'll follow this, and boy, this person's worthy of following, and this is pretty important in my life, and I like this, and I'll follow after this. Oh, yeah, let's add God in. Let's add God into family. Let's add God into work. Let's add God into shopping. Let's add God into sports. Let's add God into TV. Let's add God in and add God in. Let's just add him to whatever is important in our life. No. He doesn't want to be added into our life, an option in our life. He wants to be our life. And Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they didn't just add him in and say, okay, uh, let's serve God, yeah, maybe the rest of the day. Right about now, it's looking good for our health if we would say no to God and yes to the golden image. Now, they had developed those godly convictions in advance, and when it came time, they were worshiping God and God alone. I believe that's what God desires in our hearts and in our lives, even in the midst of hardships, difficulties, struggles, and trials. I'm going to determine in advance, I've got these godly disciplines that I'm developing with God's help, and no matter what I'm faced with, I'm going to honor and praise and worship God exclusively. Thirdly, we see that they were to trust God's sovereignty. 
That word sovereign, we were, we were singing about that today. Reign in me, sovereign Lord. Sovereign Lord. Verse 16, 17, and 18 go like this. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego replied, King Nebuchadnezzar, we do not need to defend ourselves before you in this matter. If we are thrown into the blazing furnace, the God we serve is able to deliver us from it, and he will deliver us from your majesty's hand. Check out verse 18. But even if he does not, even if he does not, we want you to know, your majesty, that we will not serve your gods or worship the image of gold you have set up. If you throw us in, God's able to deliver us. But if he doesn't, and we're not delivered, and we're burned to a crisp, we're still not going to serve you or your gods. Why? Because we trust in the sovereignty of God. God is able to do as he pleases, his sovereign will. We talked about that even a little earlier in our service. Many times his sovereign will is not quite what our will wants to be, right? Our will is easy street, skip the heartaches, hardships, struggles, and trials. Let me just go about my, my everyday business, God. Keep these other things from me. And yet sometimes those things happen. God sees that, God knows that, and in some cases allows that. God has the power to do what he has asked, but he might choose not to. For them, whether God saved them from the fire or not, that was irrelevant. They knew he had the power to do so, and they trusted him, they trusted his sovereign will. Sometimes we can say, well, I've got faith as, as long as there's something in it for me. I've got faith as long as there's some kind of feelings going alongside of it. This, this phrase of Shadrach, Meshach, and, Ab and Abednego, but if not, we're still going to serve him. Kind of similar to, to Job's quote in his book. All the hardships and struggles and trials he went through, and Job said, though he slay me, yet will I trust him. I trust in God no matter what. I trust in his sovereignty. And it's also kind of similar to Esther. Her dilemma, her situation, a Jew rising to status and then a plan and a plot to erase, eliminate, and kill all of the Jews' surfaces. What's she going to do? Is she going to say something about it to the king? Her famous quote if I perish, I perish. I trust in God. I trust in his sovereignty. We don't always understand God's will. We don't un always understand the sovereignty of God. Because in, in our minds, what we say is, every single thing that's a part of my life, I want a yes to. I'm not sure about everybody else. You know, yes, no, maybe, but in my prayers, in my situations, God, I need a yes. When I pray, I need a yes. The challenge is this. The same God who delivered Peter from prison in a miraculous way, walked him out through the power of the Holy Spirit and an angel outside of that prison. It's also the same God who oversaw James as James was martyred, killed for his faith. 
What happens if you face hardship or trials or struggles or difficulties and you pray to God and God doesn't answer your prayers? Boy, that's a big one. Well, God, I prayed and you didn't do it. God, you didn't heal. God, you didn't forgive or restore or provide or resolve. What do we do then? We still faithfully obey, faithfully trust God's sovereignty. The outcome is in God's hands. False faith says this, I'm going to trust God only if he delivers me. You got to do something first, God. You deliver me. You show me what you're up to. Then I'll trust. Then I'll believe. Then I'll say yes. Get me through this hardship. I'll serve you. Heal my body. Then I'll serve you. Heal my family member. Then I'll serve you. Then I'll show myself faithful. False faith. It's, it's bargaining, daring God to come through. Genuine faith says, even if something happens to me, even if, if I'm placed in this fiery furnace, I'm still going to choose to serve God. I'm still going to trust in God and his will. Sometimes God's will is, is not always equivalent to our desires and our will. We don't always understand those whys behind things but we can trust in the sovereignty of God's will. We can have faith in God even when our world at times is falling apart. Pretty encouraging what we see in Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. They've developed godly convictions, worshiped God exclusively, trusted God's sovereignty. Finally this morning, they experienced God's presence. Pretty powerful. Verse 19 says, Nebuchadnezzar was furious with them. His attitude toward them changed. He ordered the furnace heated seven times hotter than usual and commanded his strongest soldiers in the army to tie up Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego and threw them into the blazing furnace. It was so hot, those individuals that threw Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego in, those individuals died. It was that hot. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego were thrown into the furnace, verse 24. King Nebuchadnezzar leaped to his feet in amazement and asked his advisors, weren't there three men that were tied up and thrown into the fire? They replied, certainly, your majesty. He said, look, I see four. Four men walking around in the fire, unbound, unharmed. Man, that, that fourth one, he looks kind of funny to me. He looks like a son of the gods. The theological Bible college seminary term for this appearance of Christ is a Christophany. An appearance of Christ before he appeared on earth as the baby boy. He didn't remove them out of the fire, but he got into the fire with them. They experienced his presence. Further on, it reads that their hair was not singed, their robe was not scorched, and there was no smell of fire. Now, how many of you have ever camped 
ever made a campfire, ever visited somebody with a campfire, ever walked past a campfire, ever know what a campfire is. Many of you hang out at, at family camp, great family adventure, and there's fires going there a lot of times. When you hang out at a campfire and you're doing s'mores or you're making some hot dogs and you leave and you go home, whether it's, it's to a cabin, a dorm room, a camper, you know every article of clothing that you wore that was in front of that campfire. You just know because it smells like smoke. Uh, current day equivalent, not so much with smoke and campfires. One of Kimmy and I's favorite places to eat together is in Ada. It's called Jalapenos. It's kind of like a uh, Chipotle's. Spicy beef, kind of a build-your-own tacos and burritos. But here's the thing. Kind of like a campfire, anytime you go to Jalapenos and you eat inside, when you leave... You carry a little flavor of jalapenos with you. If you've ever been there, you know. And if anybody you know has been there, they know you know. In fact, Kimmy has got a jalapenos jacket. If we are going to go there, that is the one jacket she will wear because that's the jacket that smells like jalapenos. You can go there, go to some other place. I mean, it's just the, you know, the, the spices and the cooking and, and the stuff kind of filling the air. Much like a campfire, when you are confronted with that, there's some evidence. Here's Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Thrown into a blazing furnace. I mean, no doubt you've taken a, a marshmallow or a hot dog and you threw it in and it burned and sizzled up. And man, there was some obvious evidence of that flame. At the very least, you might stand back a little bit, but you smell a little smoky. You get a little too close and maybe something catches on fire, right? The king's amazed. None of their hair was singed. Nothing happened to their robes. There's no smell. There's, there's nothing. And in fact, there's not just three, but now there's four. And the fourth one looks like the son of the gods. They were experiencing the mighty and the power and the presence of God. Here's the promise. Jesus will be with you in your fire, in your hardship in your difficulty, in your struggle, in your trial. Yes, sometimes, sometimes he removes us out of the fire. And for that, we say, thank you, Lord, that we did not have to go through this hardship, heartache, or trial. Sometimes he chooses that. Sometimes we are healed instantaneously. Sometimes things are provided miraculously. Sometimes God removes us out of the fire. Many times, however, he chooses to get in there with us and to walk through it with us. He didn't promise to keep them from the fire. He did keep the fire from them. Here's a question for you. Would you rather stay out of the fire and face life without Jesus or go through the fire but do so with the Lord. 
Sometimes we try to skip and avoid and eliminate and, and skirt our way around hardships, difficulties, and troubles. We're trying to do things all on our own without him. We can be assured of his power and of his presence with us, even if it is in the midst of a fire. King Nebuchadnezzar saw that. He was amazed. The end result is this. King Nebuchadnezzar issued a decree. He had just earlier issued that everybody who bows down gets thrown into the furnace. They didn't bow down. They were thrown into the furnace. Now it's time. Do over. New decree, he says. Verse 29. Therefore I decree that the people of any nation or language who say anything against the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego be cut into pieces, their houses turned into piles of rubble, for no other God can save in this way. I want you to think of those words. No other God can save in this way. I mean, we look at this story. Many of you have taught it or experienced it as a child. You've experienced the flannel graph. We know what happened. But can you imagine if you're Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego... Honestly, that probably blew them away. I mean, they were trusting in God no matter what, but they probably didn't think they'd be thrown in. No singe, no burning, no nothing. King Nebuchadnezzar's words could never be truer. No other God could save in this way. Final verse of the chapter, these three Hebrews are promoted, received blessing as they faced hardship and they did so in the power of God. God never promised to keep us out of the fiery furnace. He didn't keep Shadrach and Meshach and Abednego out, but he did get in with them. He will get in. He will walk with us through our difficulties, our hardships, our struggles, our trials. Will we develop those godly convictions according to the word of God? Will we worship him and him alone? Will we trust God and his sovereignty? Will we experience God and his presence? 